Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Good day, good day, magnificent human being. What a privilege and honor to be with you again today. I hope that wherever you are right now that you are doing well. I am sending you a massive hug and energy and good vibes through the airwaves. We have a fantastic guest for you today. We have Locke Kelly on and we are talking about a revolutionary guide for living an awakened life. Locke is a meditation teacher, psychotherapist, and founder of the Open Hearted Awareness Institute. He is the author of the new best-selling book, The Way of Effortless Mindfulness, a revolutionary guide for living an awakened life. And we touch on a lot of things in this podcast. We talk about exploring awareness, why ego identity will always be dissatisfied, why you don't need to kill your ego, spiritual bypass, the three-minute monk practice to go into flow state, the 10 bulls or the Zen 10 bulls, shifting lenses, um, thinking as the sixth sense, the pattern of conscious experience, and so much more. This is a full podcast. I know you're going to enjoy it. So if you like it, please take a screenshot, share it with your friends, share on Instagram, tag me at Matt Belair, tag at Locke Kelly. Let us know where you're listening, what you liked. If you had any questions, uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you want to support the show, you can leave a review on iTunes. That helps immensely. If you go to iTunes and you take a moment to leave a review, it helps immensely. Also, you can toss a buck in the bucket on Patreon. Thank you so much for those of you guys who have done that. It helps more than you know. Go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair if you'd like to support. And the best thing that you can do as always is one kind act today for another human being. If you like the show, if you're listening to the show, please do one kind act each episode or even more if you want. If you want to be an overachiever, a three kind acts is amazing. Um, you can pick up a piece of trash, let somebody in in traffic, uh, tell somebody that you love or an old friend, just a kind note, a kind message of inspiration, anything will do. So um, that wraps that up. For those of you guys who are inquiring and interested about coaching, if you're looking to uncover your life purpose, really just kind of get more connected with your meaning, uh, life purpose, life mission. You want to break through limiting beliefs and program and design your preferred reality. This is mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially, and you're looking for the tools and techniques and strategies that actually work, that this is basically ancient knowledge and also elite athlete, elite entrepreneurs. It's very simple. We just need to go through the process. If you are interested in that type of thing, go to mattbailayer.com forward slash coaching, or if you want to do some speaking or some training and you want me to show up, matt at zenathlete.com. Let 
me know what you're um, doing, what you're up to. Let me know about your organization. I'm happy to put something together specifically for you. So let me know. This episode is proudly brought to you by Procabulary.org. This is a master class in language. I am doing courses all the time. This one is created by Mark England, and it really teaches you the power of word, how you communicate with yourself, how you communicate with others. Your words literally shape your reality. They will shape your thoughts. And this, when I'm doing coaching, is a must for any of my clients, for anybody that I work with. This is really a master class in language. And if you want $100 off, go to Procabulary.org and use the checkout code WORD magic and uh, get your language upgrade today. So that wraps it up. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Let's get into it by coming into a state of peace and coherence. So wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Taking a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and just let it out slowly, filling every cell and every muscle and every fiber of your being with joy, peace, contentment, passion, understanding, inspiration, and ready to take on this incredible episode with Locke Kelly. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Master Mind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is an author, meditation teacher, psychotherapist, and founder of the Open Hearted Awareness Institute. He teaches in a non-sectarian human being lineage using an adult education style based in the earliest non-dual wisdom teachings, traditions, modern science, and psychotherapy. He served on the New York Insight Teachers Council, studied extensively with Mingyur Rinpoche, and was invited to teach direct realization by Adyashanti. He has collaborated with neuroscientists at Yale, UPenn, and NYU in the study of how awareness training can enhance compassion and well-being as a licensed psychotherapist he has been teaching seminars supervising clinicians and practicing awareness psychotherapy in nyc for 30 years he is the author of the best-selling book the way of effortless mindfulness a revolutionary guide for living an awakened life welcome to the show Locke kelly thank you so much matt really great to be enthusiastically welcomed and I'm really looking forward to this because we have many things in common and I hope your people listening will be uh, as interested. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to have you on the show because I think your team reached out and I got to, I was unfamiliar with you and your work and I got to um, have a copy of the book and I went through the chapters and I was like, holy mm. smokes, this guy has trained with, you know, <laughs> the best in mindfulness that you can think about, um, really been into the practice, but you're also a licensed psychotherapist, which is amazing because yeah. we were, I was saying at the beginning, <laughs> that's really bridging both worlds. You know, you've got yeah. kind of the Western world who, who wants that degree and that understanding and that background, but also the Eastern Eastern philosophy, which is something that I've been really curious about my whole life, and you're combining both of those at the highest levels, and yes. you're studying with neuroscientists, and That's so right. you're you're putting um, you know the science to the test and seeing what if this stuff is is really working and helping so and in your bio I, I it was I had to shorten so much you that's only a little bit you've done so much more than that so why don't you just introduce yourself a little bit to the audience let them know uh, some of your history yeah. who you are and what you're working on yeah thanks Matt that's uh, yeah it's been exciting I, I feel so fortunate to really have been kind of stumbled into this interest early on um, 
and I can say a little bit about how that happened and uh, where it kind of has led me. Um, you know, that uh, I would say one place to start is just to kind of acknowledge, I think, that when I teach groups, I kind of ask them, if you really feel back and think back into your childhood, were there moments of, you know, when body, mind, and spirit really came together? where you naturally recognized something greater than yourself or some flow, some interconnection, some sense of well-being or something greater that was beyond thought and beyond words. And as I look back, I, th I, I didn't realize it consciously, but when I look back, I think, all oh, right, that led to that. And there was a synchronicity there and that led to this. Um, and then, so, you know, just thinking about one of the stories to share because of talking to you and your book on Zen Athlete is uh, when I was uh, about 14, uh, I was playing ice hockey goalie uh, and uh, uh, I, had I was listening to a football telecast on TV and the broadcaster said, he's got eyes in the back of his head. And I thought, oh, eyes in the back of his head. Well, let me see if I can do that. And, you know, first I tried with my eyes. I said, no, that's not it, is it? And then what I did is I literally started opening my awareness around. Uh, then it opened my peripheral vision. Then the awareness had to let go of peripheral vision. And all of a sudden I was aware at the side of my head of sounds coming and going. And then there was this feeling of panoramic awareness as if my awareness opened 360 degrees um, and then felt as if it kind of dropped into my body. And I was then aware from this kind of interconnected field, uh, which is described as a flow state or being in the zone. Um, and I was amazed because I thought, oh, I just did that intentionally. I didn't have to be doing an activity or a sport in order to do it. So then I would start to do that intentionally as I began any sport that I played. Um, and so I was playing uh, goalie and had a good game. And one of my friends said, hey, man, how did you do that? That was amazing how well you played. I said, you really want to know? And, and I said, see, I open my awareness around and then I drop in and then I feel like a cat. And then I'm aware of the puck and then I lose it between the legs. And then my hand just goes out and the puck ends up in, in my glove. And he was like, oh, cool, okay. And he walked away. <laughs> but then <laughs> one of the seniors on the team, uh, the next practice, comes and throws a book at me and says, here, kid, read this. And it was Zen and the Art of Archery. And so <clears throat> I immediately thought, oh, my God, there's people who do this intentionally. There's a whole tradition of doing it. Uh, it's not super religious or it doesn't have all these other uh, things you need to believe. It's really a human uh, potential. And so I started reading Zen and then meditated in Zen and then, you know, went on to college um, to, uh, to play, you know, sports, Division I sports and two sports and, and kept applying it. And then I coached sports afterwards and taught kids how to do this. Um, as one of my interests, but then also went to graduate school, went off to um, Sri Lanka, India, and Nepal during the graduate school, and 
did these Vipassana retreats initially, which is insight meditation or mindfulness, uh, what I call deliberate mindfulness. So I do like five day retreats, 10 day retreats, 21 day retreats. And then I felt, uh, you know, calm and centered. Uh, but then the interesting thing, which kind of starts the real story of kind of what my book's about, is I went up to Nepal and met a teacher whose name was Toko Ergen Rinpoche. And he gave a little talk of about half an hour and then did this one way of shifting awareness that was similar. And when he did that, within three minutes, I felt the same way as I did at the end of a long retreat. So you, as you might imagine, that made me a little curious. So I was like, wow, okay. And not only did I feel calm, but I felt joyous. I was laughing and kind of crying and just going, oh my God. And, and I you know, would ask him, is this real? Is this, can we really do this? Is this, and he said, yes, this is inherent within us. This is already, you know, what I say now is it's an already installed operating system of awake consciousness. And there's an ability, if you know the tool um, to shift your consciousness from thought-based identity to awareness-based embodied open-heartedness. And when that happens, um, you can shift in minutes and your entire view and sense of mind and identity um, shifts into an awakened consciousness, which is what you know the wisdom traditions have always talked about as uh, their goal, because when you do it, you're relieved of suffering and you feel you know pretty, pretty, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> And there's a lot of love and new motivation to kind of help others. Just just comes naturally because you see from this view of open-heartedness that you're the same as everyone, and you just feel like you're um, you're you're naturally wanting to not just stay in a cave, but you want to kind of live a full human life. That's amazing. Well. There's so much that I want to touch on there. And I like how you had this first awareness through sport. And that was the same yeah. for me, you, yeah. having the martial arts practice, because there are so many avenues through sport to have an experience that's beyond yourself or what do you do to perform? So you start thinking outside of the box and do I have eyes in the back of my head or where can I shift my awareness? Can my awareness be anything other than what's rattling around in my brain right now? Exactly. And even in sport too, you kind of have to, you know, if you're a goalie, you know, you have yeah. to anticipate. And so where does that go? You know, the future, the past or wherever you start to shift these things. Yeah. And then you realize that your awareness and your consciousness <clears throat> isn't finite. It isn't just right. what is happening in there. It actually yeah. can be <clears throat> changed and there can be new perspectives and new experiences um, that you can generate. But this isn't right. a common language. This isn't commonly taught. This isn't something right. that, uh, you know, we know about. And I don't know if when you mm -hmm. went to school for psychotherapy, if they were addressing this or they were addressing right. it in a little bit of a different way. So I know there's no. a, a lot of avenues we could go. Sure. In, and <laughs> what I would, I guess the first question I'll ask is, 
How okay. does, uh, let's say, regular average Joe human being that hasn't experienced these states, um, yeah. you know, begin to open up to this awareness? And what would be the benefit? You know, why would somebody even right. want to say, you know, I'm going to improve the quality of my consciousness. And I think for me, it's like, how do we live with more peace and more empowerment and more uh, empowering awareness? You know, a lot of people go around, they're stressing all day and their anxiety, yeah. and they're, you know, they're just kind of stuck in that mode. So I'll kind of just start with that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good question. Yeah, I'll get, I'll get back to the psychology and the, how that um, is kind of the next level of, benefit uh, from this shift into, um, you know, that's, so, so the premise is that, you know, where there's some low level of suffering going on. I think people generally have pleasant and unpleasant experiences. There's loss, there's struggle, there's fear, there's worry, which is, you know, on a relative level stuff happens. But then the premise is that there's uh, the operating system that we use, this thought-based, small, self-referencing, um, ego center, whatever you want to call that, this manager part, is made of thought. It's a, it's a kind of a loop that creates this habit as if this is the only way we can function. And from that small point of view, um, there's always a perpetual dissatisfaction because it's not the real... Um, ultimate optimal identity. It's a kind of a transitional manager that can be helpful for functioning. So sometimes I say the normal ego function, which we do need, we don't wanna kind of spiritually bypass everything, uh, has taken on a second role of ego identity. And then what we're gonna do is we don't need to kill the ego or fight the ego, we just need to let it semi-retire. So, it just needs to retire from the job of ego identity, and then we still will thank it very much for all the functioning we need, but then we upgrade to this uh, larger mind that's more awareness-based than thought-based, this larger feeling of self that feels interconnected and kind of drops from head to heart-mind, so there's more <clears throat> wisdom and love available, and <clears throat> this um, relieves the suffering, this is why people would want to do it, is that immediate chattering mind, self-referencing, worry, uh, fear of the future, uh, trying to manage any traumatic or shame-based parts of yourself that feel bigger than the small ego, um, has this new capacity of love and healing and um, ease of being um, that uh, is what most of us have felt at those optimal times. So the premise is this can be the new normal, that this sense of well-being, the sense of interconnection, love, and it has certain markers uh, to it that can be kind of fine-tuned or recognized so you know you're there. Um, and then the you know the unique thing that i've really worked on is what i call the power of how so rather than the power of now which is it's not just the now which is one of the dimensions but so okay these wise gals and wise guys have said this is you know great stuff you can live you know awakened happy joyous and free 
uh, loving, optimally functioning in work and relationship. So how do we get there? And this is where, um, you know, 99% of the methods still work within the relative mind. They still are trying to self-improve. They're still trying to even use, you know, very positive um, things that we've learned um, in psychology and self-help and uh, positive thinking, visualization. All of that is still in the what I call the cloud of, of the mind, and it makes it a little higher functioning, but it's always caught in dualism. It'll always feel positive and then you know, for instance, one of the things you may have noticed with people who can get into the flow state, so athletes, artists, scientists, musicians, they get into the flow state through their activity, and they often are extremely miserable when they're not doing that activity because they don't know how to get into the flow state when they're in everyday life. So they go back and do art all the time or do, do sports all the time or they almost half feel like in order to feel themselves, their only door is that activity, uh, but that's not necessary. And that's what these um, practices that I've kind of uh, fine-tuned and reverse-engineered from, um, from the wisdom traditions, from the most advanced practices that fortunately are in some ways the most simple. So this, this is the, the thing I'm, you know, I'm most happy to share with people. Amazing. Yeah, I definitely want to get into that for sure and, and have you share some practices. I just wanted to touch quickly on a few things that you said. You know, yeah. I think it was important what you talked about is killing the ego and, and not needing to because I feel like a lot of the personal development spirituality space, is we kind of vilify the ego. And, yes. I, and I feel in my experience from speaking to many different people and, and from what I've done and experienced that the ego is is like who you are it's like your preferences yeah. when you have a child or a human yeah. being they might prefer art or they want to explore themselves it's just going too far with it and letting it run right. and that's kind of what many people are operating from is just ego but you need that part of you of who you are yes. you yes, know what exactly. I mean and, and exploring that with how do you want to grow who do you want to be those exactly. are your preferences you don't need to yeah. kill it and, and vilify it which I think that we're yeah. doing yeah, there's a, there's a whole system, there's a whole, you know, it's interesting that there are many different spiritual philosophies and some of them that find favor are ones that actually say that, you know, you should, re, you know, repress emotions or don't feel emotions or go beyond emotions or feel like there's no self and, you know, they say there's nobody here named Locke, there's just awareness and I go to the grocery store and things end up in my cart. But... <laughs> But then, then literally as if that's the goal um, and it's, it's really just a halfway point of kind of unhooking from the ego identity until you discover the new, the new operating system, which has a, a passage of not knowing and not doing and no self, no small self. But then if you stop there, you're going to end up in kind of a detached uh, witness and be disembodied and um, you know you're you're not going to include 
the the fullness of life. So that's called often a spiritual bypass. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a really good uh, thing to touch on. And I'd love you to go a little bit deeper because when I first studied Zen and enlightenment and, and to demystify this, because you have literally been to Nepal in yep. those spaces. Yeah, yeah. And I went to Nepal too and trained <laughs> with monks. And I wanted to know, is it like this enlightenment, right? Is this this new yeah. state of awareness that I get to that's so yeah. beyond my regular consciousness? Right. And what I've experienced over uh, pursuing this is more – being in that present moment with where you are, with what you're feeling. It's not about detaching any of that, but also um, when you're at the grocery store, you're fully present, but there's this middle way of the bigger experience where you're in it operating, but there's also this bigger picture. And that's why I like Zen and Buddhism because it is about the middle way where you're fully present, but there's also this bigger awareness that you're playing with. And it's finding that balance, not like fully checking out where, like you said, you're getting the groceries and you're not even present. (laughs) And there's all this experience happening, but you're just witnessing it. You're it's like, you're not even coming into the body to feel anything. It's like, no, you're supposed to feel that you're supposed to be here. Yeah. So that's what I call getting caught in the witness protection program. (laughs) 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 So, so yeah, I mean, I have at the end of this book, I have these little funny things like that, that are like, I call them uh, traps, detours and rerouting instructions. So, so there's ways that we, you know, kind of start the process and then get caught or get caught in a cul-de-sac or an eddy or stop halfway and having really met with many of these masters and, you know, they're very ordinary. They're a lot of fun. They're, they're really just down to earth and they're just, you know, curious about, oh, look at that squirrel. Oh, that's the, look at that squirrel. That's so cute. Look at it, what it's doing. You know, they're just very um, in the now. So uh, there, <clears throat> there's a, um, you know, that, even that Zen, um, uh, you know, ox herding pictures has this, you know, search for enlightenment or the ox. And then the second to last one is like an empty circle. But then the last one is a picture of someone. uh, And the title is someone walking. And the title is uh, returning to the village with gift bearing hands. So that's the goal. And there's a transition of kind of pure awareness or surrender or letting go so the two questions interestingly become what lets go and what does it let go into so those that's where i spent a lot of time as i kind of heard these advanced instructions i would kind of play with them then reverse engineer them then realize sometimes oh there's some gaps they're not talking about why are they not talking about them um and kind of fill them in for people. And then I kind of uh, developed versions of them for different learning types. Because some people are visual, some people are auditory, some people, so if it's just one tradition, um, then you know it may not match a people. And the, the experience that I have is that awakening is really the next natural stage of human development. Mm. That it is a human potential. It's not a. It's not just luck or grace that it happens. It's not just for Olympic athletes of meditation. That it is learnable and teachable in everyday life, just like uh, school age 
development. You know, so that's why I use development. You know, and it, you know, it's a paradox because the awakening that we're seeking is already here. So that awakening itself on the ultimate level doesn't uh, progress or develop. It, but it's the mixing, as you were talking about, of the uh, personality, of the relative personality with the awakened consciousness. So it's really about um, who is it appearing to, not so much what's arising or what your personality is, but where are you looking from? What is, who or what is aware of, you know, uh, positive thoughts or negative thoughts? So it isn't about just changing uh, the, on the relative level, you know, replacing positive with negative. If you do that, you only get so far. Because um, I've kind of studied the psychology, the self-help, the meditation, and it's really this uh, upgrade of identity, this just shift to the new view um, that's, once you see how simple it is, it's quite, um, it's quite initially different and odd because, it, it, you know, the words don't quite make sense, unhook awareness from thought and have local awareness become aware of, you know, the awareness that's already aware. So it's like, how many awarenesses was that? You know, like, <laughs> so the words, you know, is like are new, but it literally takes uh, the same amount of time to learn, you know, watching your breath as it does to learn this. It's just a little new in the initial, but as soon as you get a feel for it, because it's more like a feeling like riding a bicycle rather than an intellectual process, then it takes you into what most people know from childhood, from their life, as this optimal moments of awakening that you've already had. And that's reassuring to people. Like you've already tasted this. You just didn't know that it was this. You thought it was associated with what you were doing or who you were with. And you didn't know that you had shifted into a new uh, identity in mind, which has natural qualities of joy. You thought what you were doing gave you joy. So it's really just this uh, figure ground shift and recognizing where you're aware from that starts to um, change your brain and change your experience. Yeah. Well, you said a lot there and I think you <laughs> went into slight Yoda mode. So you <laughs> from Nepal. So I, I was with you, but what I wanted to break it down for some people listening is like, yeah, yeah. the big thing is like shifting a lens. So yeah. something would be when we work with the athletes or we work with a human being and, and they say, Hey, I want to uh, do this, or I'm having trouble with this thing and and yeah. they have a negative perspective on like maybe it's an employee maybe they want to accomplish a goal or whatever that's why you sport because it's so definitive it's like okay you want to make a shot or uh perform at this level but you keep thinking about all the things that can go wrong that yeah. lens is not helpful that is not the right. most optimal lens right. you can have yes something can go wrong but if that's your lens that you're viewing it from you're increasing the probability of that happening. If you shift right. the lens to what it is that you prefer, uh, uh, optimizing your potential, having faith in yourself, doing the right practices, and that's where flow state and these things, they, I think that it's something that's 
it's developed over time and practice. You can be forced right. into those states, but also you can develop yourself through right livelihood, right, right, intent, right. right words, right practices that are going to increase that probability once again. And so yep. just shifting the lens is so impactful and so important in how we're navigating our life. And shoot, there was a whole bunch of other stuff that I wanted to share <laughs> in that, but oh yeah, the 10 bulls, that's what I wanted to share. Is that yeah. the story you're referring to? Yes, yes. Because I, I remember learning about that story, the story, and you can Google it, the Zen 10 bulls, and I'm not sure you probably are, but were you aware that it was eight bulls for the longest time? Right. And it ended this, this amazing story. You should check it out and read it and look at the art, but it was this amazing story. It ended, you know, the journey of enlightenment at just the empty circle. Right. And then there was a, another Zen master that added two Right. Um, things and they got burned for a while and, and <laughs> nobody wanted to share it. And then eventually it, it arised. And so after the emptiness, after reaching this enlightenment state, maybe that state where I was younger and I was like, oh, I'm going to float around in this cloud. I'm yeah. going to observe mad observing light. I'm not even going to participate. I'm just going to be just blissed out nonstop. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. Um, after that, you come back into the world. Yes. Right, chop wood, carry water, but you're doing right. it from a new lens. You're yes. doing it from more, more aliveness, more feeling, more mm. sense, uh, but uh, more. I, I don't know. It's just different. You've just shifted yes. it a yeah. little. It's it's hard to describe um, in a way. Maybe you can give it. <laughs> that's why you know Zen masters and like Alan Watts and people like that, and um, they they can describe this indescribable thing. You know, Alan yes. Watts will say it's like a knife trying to cut itself or something like that. What he's yeah trying to describe it and the fact that you have this listed of like the eddies and these spots where you can kind of get stuck because yeah. it is a weird language it's a new right. it's a new awareness that doesn't yes. have the words to it but That's it right. feels different and it's hard right. to kind of describe so maybe you can just share some yeah. about what i just said i don't even know so, <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll i'll speak halfway between what you said and what i said Perfect. as you I'll do it. <laughs> Perfect. Not quite, not quite a, a Yoda thing because in some ways, you know, a lot of people who speak from wisdom, you know, they either say it's beyond words, there's nothing to say, or they speak in poetry, which is very lovely. And you can kind of go like, oh, wow. You know, um, or they'll speak in metaphor like Alan Watts. But what I'm trying to do is literally, you know, experientially break it down the way you break down, you know, how to hit a backhand in tennis. Like literally, how do you ride a bicycle? On some level, you, you can't explain how do you balance? You know, are you balancing? But you can show the entry into balancing and then people can feel how to know you're balancing and how to let go into something greater than you that doesn't need to refer to thought to know how to do something. So that lens um, is a different level of mind, is another way to say it, or a different uh, uh, sense of self. So rather than a small, separate sense of self that literally feels like it's uh, located behind your, in the middle of your head, looking out of your eyes, which if people feel, uh, you know, like, where are you listening to this from? You literally start to locate a center. And even the preliminary practices of meditation start to uh, 
use the focus of one-pointed attention from that point of view uh, to uh, your breath. And then it can calm your system, which could lead you into the flow state, but it could also just calm your ego and just be a little calmer, more relaxed uh, sense of uh, small self. So somehow the, there literally is the felt sense that people describe is, um, is aware from a spacious, embodied, interconnected, open-hearted uh, dimension of multidimensional being that is aware of your body almost as a part of you that's connected to everybody and everything. And you feel very ordinary, like, oh, I'm just here. But the, there's an absence of the chattering worrier, judger, and there's a presence of um, a kind of something greater than you that has a wisdom that's just saying, like, just trust and everything's going to unfold, stay in the now. And there's almost a feeling of a little love. So that's kind of the thing that is added to a flow state is this open heartedness. So some people, when you play sports, you feel joy or ecstasy, bliss. And then when you sustain it in your everyday life, it feels like a little unconditional love or friendliness or, or gratitude or, but you're not uh, trying to create it. You're not trying to accept things as they are. You're not trying to be positive. You literally shift from small to open spaciousness. And then the spaciousness you realize is aware by itself. And then from that more awareness-based knowing, you feel that it's both spacious and pervasive. And from this almost like, rather than looking to thought, the awareness starts to look to this bigger awareness and that awareness is, is, is becomes the ground of you, which then feels like it's uh, utilizing all your thoughts and information and personality as a way that you're dance, you're kind of dancing, dancing with this greater than you and you, the small you and everyone else. It feels like a, a dance, but it, it literally is this way of upgrading uh, the view to uh, a feeling that, um, you know, I'll bring in another subject that many people try to get to by microdosing or by, um, by uh, doing psychedelics. Um, it's a multidimensional, non-ego-centered, uh, beautiful experience of dynamic uh, light, light and connection. Um, but, you know, as Ram Das said, uh, you know, psychedelics are a good window, but they're not a great door. So this is literally the, the micro meditations that replace the micro dosing <laughs> that get you to the same, same place. That's amazing. Okay. I followed that and I'm going to kind of share how I understood it and you can tell me how, okay. <laughs> how I understand how much I got. Okay. So the way that I understand it and think about what you just shared is that we have our consciousness where we go about our day. It's got yeah. random thoughts and things happen. Now, 
when I'm going about my day, something external might happen. And then when that external thing happens, my mind goes to a setting and it's usually worry or fear or doubt or internal dialogue or all these things that are not optimal. It's ego based too, only in the sense that the ego and, and that part of you saves you from crossing the street in traffic. Mm -hmm. It's designed Mm -hmm. to keep you safe. That's one of our most basic things. And so we need to be kind of afraid of the things that will eat us or kill us. And so rather than this natural setting, all of these external pinpoints like pin ping 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 it's yeah. it's all going in it's all going to this one setting where right. what i feel like you're describing is you switch that setting to something bigger yeah. so you get more information rather yes. than just in like what matt has experienced what matt is looking at it's like no let's go to universal experience let's yes. go to nature let's go to all information that is bigger than just ego and that's where you get that real sense of uh, knowing or that bigger picture people refer to as universe god source and you right. can, it's it's tangible it's a knowing yes. where you're like ooh like it's yes. a feeling that you it's can't feeling. words. And so what you're talking about too, and you're speaking about this from a very high scientific level, and this is kind of where yes. I wanted to go with this a little sure. bit. Is, um, what have you learned from yeah. uh, working with neuroscientists? Why, if, if someone's listened to this and they're like, I kind of, you know, yeah, it's right. exciting. I'm not really sure what you're saying. What would be some of the benefits? What is neuroscience shown to this? Yes. Got to get into the how, because I need to know, because I feel like- okay. It seems like if I'm understanding this correctly, it seems like such a massive piece of an individual search for real awakening for consciousness development, because it is this one fundamental thing that you switch your natural programming from external experience to ego in, in this little bit of information to this to the cloud. So like you're just looking at your computer, but it's like, no, actually I'm going to set the natural setting to ping the entire internet to all information. And so that's going to change your fundamental lens massively and the way that your body operates and probably all kinds of magic comes from your cells and your neurology and your brain and the information your body picks up. And it's going to change your little tiny, you know, consciousness, like your little tiny lens you get to see from, you know, so small. Yes. Yeah. So I would just say that the, um, yeah, that it is really about that small center to this larger um, uh, kind of all knowing. But then the feeling is the feeling of all knowing. It doesn't have information on the screen. It feels like peace of mind. (laughs) It's all it's like, you, you know, the feeling is, oh, I have the potential to know and I trust. But unlike, you know, smart, when you're like really smart, like, oh, I know that information, like, oh, I could talk about that. And I remember that's, you know, that's like this in the, you know, if you do this, you do that. And then that's like this. So I can really talk about that because I have all this information. It's like, no, open to the bigger field. And the bigger field is peace of mind and open heart and the potential to know. So all knowing, the first thing that all knowing knows is that all is well. It just knows like, oh, I've surrendered, I've unplugged, and now I've plugged in or tuned in to that, which is all embracing and all knowing or knowing that you don't need to know. <laughs> so it's almost like not knowing and all knowing are kind of the same. Uh, but this feeling of um, not having to, to go to the, to the programs or the pop-ups 
um, but they're running all running in the background. Um, they're available at a click, but the the experience is kind of simplicity, flow, love, well-being, uh, responsiveness rather than reactiveness. Um, so that's the that's the feeling. So it feels like, how about if I try to do one of these um, little ex experiences, and then I'll talk about the neuroscience of it. Yeah, please. Okay. So um, so people, some people are listening, some people are watching. So I'll just describe it. But if you're if you're if you're in a car, do this later. <laughs> but but uh, it actually, interestingly, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do this opening of awareness, kind of the uh, you know, eyes, eyes, eyes behind your back. And actually what I call it now is awareness has your back. So, so what it is doing actually is it's returning your eyes to their natural, uh, function. So with our ears on a, on just on a biological level, it's, it's very easy for us to feel that hearing is receiving. So if we hear a sound or a bell or my, me speaking, um, it feels like uh, the voice is coming from somewhere and it's coming to our ears. Yeah, so that's kind of the normal biological way. But with uh, seeing, it's very connected to the grasping mind. So when we're in our small self, if I were to say, look at this and look at this, if you were to look at uh, an object in your room or if you're even driving, look at an object outside, look at another object, does it feel like almost like looking is like your hand goes out to this, then your hand goes out to that? As if looking is more like uh, going from me to the object, yeah? That's usually what it feels like, as if you're going out. But, so here's the first pointer. Uh, seeing happens the same way as hearing. Light reflects off of objects and comes to your eyes. And, but your grasping mind is trying to use its operating system and it creates more of a grasper to try to be safe by, look at that quickly, look at that, what's happening over there. But since light travels at the speed of light, you can see what it's like. If, what does it feel like if you just simply rest and feel as if hearing is receiving, seeing is receiving, and then feel as if, you know, if you were to go out to an object that you just let your awareness rest back to the space between you and the object, let the awareness rest back to the space between your eyes, let awareness rest back to the space between your ears, and then see what it's like if you just intentionally surrender awareness behind you until you find an awareness that's already aware. And as you, if you're doing anything, as you rest back to that awareness, just feel that awareness is naturally feeling into your body like an ocean of awareness and then connected experientially to whatever's in front of you and around you. So just feeling almost like that field. And then the third pointer is just letting your eyes kind of float and rest in their sockets. And then, you know, kind of looking softly straight ahead, receiving light, and looking a little bit up or straight ahead, just begin to open your awareness around. So as you do, your, as your peripheral vision opens, your eyes are not moving. 
It's just your awareness. So intentionally, just gently without straining, let your awareness open both sides. And you can breathe the cool air and smile. And just feel what it's like just opening your peripheral vision, just like when you're driving, you just feel you're aware not of one point, but of kind of everything at once. And then as the awareness gets to the sides, let it just unhook from seeing and become aware of the space on the sides of your body in which sound is coming and going. And then curiously, somehow, awareness can continue around to feel the space and to feel the spacious awareness that's equally in front of you to the sides of you and also behind you, above you and below you, but particularly open behind you. So now just be aware of the spacious awareness as your primary interests, contentless, timeless, spacious, open. Just notice that freedom, that relief, that openness. But then just be curious, are you aware of the spacious awareness or what's it like when you're aware from the spacious awareness and staying open, feel back into your body. So you're not spaced out, now you're both spacious and pervasive. It's a feeling of kind of, you can even breathe in and breathe out and just say, ah, and just kind of equally feel ordinary and open. So you're just aware of being aware of your body from within rather than from this point of view. Where from all around, and then aware as if you've dropped from head to heart space, to heart mind. Almost as if you're feeling open, as if you're aware. And just curiously, where are you aware from if you're not aware from here? Just let awareness look to feel where are you aware of the space in the room from? Where are you aware of your knee from? Where are you aware of everything all at once from? And just, you know, balancing so you feel equally aware inside and out. So as if there's a seamless evenness. So the awareness that's everywhere can feel contents and thoughts, feelings, sensations within and sound, movement, energy outside, as if there's neither inside nor outside or kind of an interconnected unity experience that feels like an ocean of awareness that's rising as this particular wave that's very real in particular and then that's connected to other waves of form. So form is emptiness, emptiness is awake, and then emptiness is form. And there's this continuous relocation of being aware from everywhere and here. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's, oh, man. <laughs>
Well, <laughs> going through that experience is, is so good. And I've, I've done ex- many experiences like that and they're always fun. And sometimes you forget how important and powerful they are. And the way when you're describing those things, it's like when I'd come back to, let's say myself or the small mind or ego yeah. or whatever, it's like trying to relocate what that is. Yes. So by de- by detaching that, it it holds less pattern, and also the way that the mind works. You would know this a lot better than me. But uh, we get into habitual patterns and yes. ways of thinking and ways of doing and ways of acting that we're just we're stuck in. And so doing this, it seems like a Taurus flow of like connecting yes. with with spirit and the universe, yeah. and the ether and consciousness and yeah. all knowing and all the good stuff that you hear about in, in all the traditions and yeah. your smaller self experiencing the bigger self. And the one thing that I was thinking about was when you're talking about the field, I think our electromagnetic field, we know reaches yeah. 12 feet. Is that what it is? is yeah, it- something like that. Yeah. And so maybe, it kind of seemed like to me was like, I'm actually taking out of the body. That's just feeling one thing and like all moving the sense. It's like, uh, you know, animals have all these different senses and how they access them through these, whatever they're doing. Um, you know, like a dolphin sonar or whatever, just kind of tuning. You need to kind of tune out here. And as you learn to tune out to your electromagnetic field of information to the environment, which is connected to like, say the whole entire ocean. It's like, Oh, Hey, hold on one second getting some information, come back and making that the new dance of your consciousness. Right. That's it. So that's, yeah. So, so, uh, you know, just to fine tune that a little bit, exactly that, you know, you felt kind of exactly the, the movement. So the key was always like, all right, so what is that that can go, can go out to there? Um, And thought can't do it. The ego can't do it. Will can't do it. And even attention, attention can be aware of your breath. But if you stay here and bring your, you can bring your attention to the room, but then you're either stretching your mind or you're having to come back to orient. So literally, so here's the unique thing. It's what I call local awareness. So it's made of spacious awareness or infinite uh, awake space, uh, which is what, uh, the traditions call um, uh, the unborn mind, or uh, it's called Rigpa in Tibetan Buddhism, which means uh, nature of mind, which is empty and awake. In Hinduism, it's called Turiya, which is uh, pure awareness. So pure awareness is beyond uh, the 12 feet. You have to go beyond 12, the 12 feet of the energy to find the pure awareness which is like the quantum field from which uh, particles and waves of energy emerge. So it's really like, and what is able to move is having reverse engineered it, having kind of found a way into that pure awareness that then arises as energy and then comes into form. Uh, And then realizing from here, you actually are using this local awareness rather than attention to connect to something because you're all connected, then feeling how I got caught and re-identified, then I felt like, okay, well, let's just unhook that local awareness and have it drop and have that open because that's the awake consciousness that I was here, so I must still be that here. So this is the unique paradoxical thing 
that I go through in detail, and this is the new learning uh, thing in my in my book, The Way of Effortless Mindfulness. Uh, how to feel like when I say, can you unhook local awareness or move awareness around behind your back, that I'm not talking to you, the ego, I'm not talking to you, the efforter, I'm not talking to you, the personality, I'm not talking to you, uh, even attentional system. I'm talking to you, the awake being that don't, doesn't even know you're awake and saying, could you please move yourself, move your awareness around? And then the awake being just goes, I don't know how I'm doing it, but I'm doing it. And then awareness opens until it finds itself as non-local awareness. And then it feels that everything's made of it. And then it just has become a, a simple handing off of this baton of awareness to the sky. You have to go out of the cloud um, of energy, of conditioning, of thought, of emotion and feeling. You have to go out of the cloud and realize you're the sky. And then once you realize you're the sky, you realize the sky is within the cloud, the cloud is made of the sky, and then now you've shifted operating systems from small uh, point of view, which can't bear full emotional human life. So that's one of the reasons why you're upgrading, so that you actually can feel and be sensitive human being. So, yeah, so anyhow, that. You <laughs> <laughs> so, so, anyhow, I'm just listening to you, having my mind blown. I'm like following it. I was like, my cloud is in the cloud. I was like okay, now the clouds. I was like, okay, back to the conversation now. Well, oh boy. Well, one of the questions I have then is when you begin to explore with, with this, yeah. I feel like it starts with a conscious choice of yes. me, you know, I can touch this and I can think I'm like, okay, cool. One of the ones that I remember doing was be in the corners of the room, right? Yeah, yeah. Learning astral projection and things like that. I was like, put your yeah. consciousness in the corner of the room. I'm like, ooh, that's interesting. And yeah. my consciousness can be anywhere. So right. as I'm navigating my daily life, have you found an optimal space to redirect the beginning of this process? One of them yeah. that I've also used before is I'll 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 be communicating with somebody that is right. pissing me off. Right. And, and so, and so right. I, I'll just take my consciousness and I'll put it into my heart. And so yes. I'll be talking to them, but my I'll take my consciousness and I'll move it from my heart. And so yes. the way that I speak and my tone of voice and the words that come out are different. I'm not trying yes. to do this. The only thing I'm actually trying to do is keep my awareness in my heart because all of the other parts of me do, are not wanting to respond in the way that I feel is the most uh, compassionate. Yes. And so, yes. you know, cause with this, I'm like, you know, well, with this new understanding, I'm like, I can imagine I'm the 12 foot bubble or I can just put yeah. my awareness in like the moon, right? Just, you right. could try that as an experiment, just walking down the street and, or just be the sun, keep your awareness as the sun, as you move around. And right. so, my question is, have you found a space? Am I on track? Yes. You know what I'm trying to say? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, know, I, I do know what you're saying. I'm hoping everyone else does. <laughs> oh, but but you're, you're, this is great because you're kind of a natural and, uh, and when you've been able to do it and then, but if you said that to someone, just put your consciousness in your heart, you know, they'd be like, uh, yeah, okay. 
So what I did, what I do is I break it down, and we'll do an exercise like that where I sh actually show you what is or show people like the feeling of how to do that. But um, yeah, the the that's the thing. Loc what you're talking about is this thing called local awareness. It can go to the corner of the room. So people could try this one now, which is actually one of the classic pointers. Send the awareness into the corner of the room. Now have it look back to see who sent it. Have it look back through the one who sent it until it pops or opens that up into the entire field of awareness. So once you, so that, that's a little pointer that for some people can work, but the local awareness can feel, um, because it's made of the field of unity consciousness, it can go anywhere, but the key place it needs to go is back home, which is to the infinite or boundless, it doesn't have to be infinite, like you don't have to, but to the most subtle, formless dimension, which is its ground, which is our ground. So it has to go beyond not just the sun, not just the Milky Way, it's gotta go, Either you could, if you're doing directionality, it's boundless, or if you're doing internal, it's you know so subtle that it's the space between the atoms. You have to go so subtle that it returns home, and then everything arises. Oh, from that view. So that's the new view, which is then feels boundless and here. Um, so that's the feeling. So it is this. So you can see that like, you could play with consciousness, but that's almost like a trap in an eddy. Oh, it can go over there. Oh, it can create magic. Oh, I can, you know, and some people who are very psychic can do all, all sorts of stuff with that. You know, they can really do like things. But if it doesn't return home, they're still living in their ego and they have this talent, but they're not that happy. You know, they, they end up being still having skill sets that are, you know, often very helpful to people, but so what all that to say that this awareness, that consciousness is patterning of awareness. So you have mental consciousness, thought consciousness. So I use the word awareness to mean the most subtle, formless emptiness that is awake prior to movement. So then consciousness becomes uh, particles and wave consciousness, uh, planets, uh, thought consciousness, emotional consciousness, hearing consciousness, you know, so then it becomes a type, a unique type of awareness. Uh, but the thing that's moving is actually, uh, it's like a bubble, it's like an invisible bubble. Um, Rumi called it the globe of awareness that returns home, the from the um, the Taoist tradition, they call it the secret of the golden flower, which is, and the secret is, turn the light of awareness around to discover the home of it, of the sublime truth of awareness itself. So it, it's it. So this is the 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 simple movement, but it's got to be the what finds it has to be only awareness itself can know itself. So any other thought or movement or consciousness that's trying to, to find it can't get there. It'll always go to some cul-de-sac 
but you do have to start where you are, so you have to have an intention. All right, I'm gonna unhook awareness from thought and have it drop. So, so let's try this little, little uh, practice, which is a version of what you do to see if people. So the premise is that the habit that we usually operate from is a thought and emotion-based uh, loop of uh, orienting, having perception come in to the five senses. And then in Buddhism, thinking is actually considered the sixth sense. So it's an organizing sense. It's not who you are. They all eventually report to awareness, Rigpa. So, um, but the pattern is it stops at six. And um, that creation of a thinker, which unfortunately our Western philosophy has declared, I think, therefore I am, which is actually the, the great uh, problem of stopping at that cul-de-sac. So if everyone just feels that feeling of listening to what I'm saying and just feeling that center of thought going to thought, so within that attached or identified is this awareness. And then I'm just gonna ask you the awareness to unhook like a bubble of awareness and step back and then we'll drop down. So the center of knowing will know your jaw from within your jaw it can know your throat from within your throat. I'm, I'll do it again slower, but I'm just kind of saying it so you know what's happening. Then you'll, the awareness will be able to feel the subject and object will be in your upper body. And then this, you'll recenter to be aware from your heart space without orienting to thought to be alert and knowing your body from within. So you may have already done that, but we'll just do it a little slower. So feeling that consciousness is a thought-based, emotional-based consciousness that's creating a thinker. And then somehow awareness is inherent within everything. So it's inherent within this. So this pure awareness can simply unhook or step back and be aware of space. And then feel as if Awareness moves itself. So this globe of awareness is now the center of knowing, and it can know your smile and your jaw from within your jaw. And then feel as if your awareness can drop on its own to your throat and know your throat, the aliveness, the space, and the awareness directly from your throat. So you don't have to go up to know to thought and you don't have to stretch attention down. And then feel as if awareness can drop below your neck, like a bubble of awareness that's able to feel your upper body directly from within, noticing the effervescent aliveness, space and awareness that's alert and then find some kind of safe heart space or heart mind that is an intelligent open door, like a deep core or this new center of the center within. 
And then just curious that you notice how you don't have to orient to thought to feel and know what your body feels like from within. So you're not only knowing your heart space from your heart space, but you're knowing everything from your heart space as if it is connected to everything. So you know it by feeling it, by feeling interconnected. And then curiously, just remaining at home in your heart and you're using Wi-Fi to the files in the office of your head. So just staying in this heart view and then let your phone number come to your heart mind arise slowly. And then let it go and notice the peace of mind, the non-thought-based alertness. And then just staying here, just let all your senses that come to your heart mind, so hearing, smelling, tasting, sensing, perceiving. And so even as your eyes open, if they're closed, just let your eyes be equal, equal rights for all senses. So don't let your eyes become dominant. Let them be soft and let your heart knowing, almost like you're seeing through the eyes of the heart or feeling everything just comes right to the heart and then the heart mind opens to this intelligent field of, of bigger mind and self that has a boundless heart and a heart mind and a tender human heart. So from here you can <laughs> walk around and check what it's like just to walk from here to begin to type from here and then just what I say is then you just notice that you go back to the other habit and then you say, I say, no big surprise, just re-recognize. And so then the main practices I do are called small glimpses many times during the day. And what you're doing is you're just learning to return and training to remain. And then you lose it, no big surprise, just learn to return, stay home, then bringing uh, functioning online, talking, walking, actually retrains your uh, brain to this new neuronal network of uh, heart, mind, and awakened life. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. That yeah. is good. I like that. My immediate yeah. thought is, how can I apply this to sport? And when I go snowboarding yeah. off a massive yeah. jump, yes. what is the potential now? That's interesting. That's really yeah. good. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> if you were listening, I invite you to, if you didn't get it and you, you're like, okay, that's strange, just, just do it a few more times. Yeah. Because just like when if you struggle, let's say, you know, if you're listening to this right now, and as you listen to it, wherever you are, just put your consciousness in the corner of whatever room, or if you're outside, 
place it in a tree and continue to walk or whatever. You're experimenting with these little kind of glimpses and over time they get easier. And I think you really hit the nail on the head for me when I went through that, when you were said equal rights to all senses, because immediately my brain goes back to the way that I perceive reality. And I have no idea if that's a good way or a bad way. I like, I'd like to believe it seems to be somewhat of a beneficial way from all the work that I've tried to figure out. But some days I'm like, Oh man, I just got to give up. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> just, um, but, uh, you know, no big deal. Give equal rights to all senses and practice that. And over time, it is going to shift. And you, again, probably know this way better than me, but with neural pruning and, and understanding how our, our brains will create these neural maps and how we navigate reality and consciousness. And it the lens is so mother effing limited on how we are most everyday casual people, myself included, how much we're experiencing and limiting our uh, life experience through the consciousness that we have, like those settings that's are right. so small and fine. It's yes. like binary. And you, right. again, I'm getting so much understanding and that's why I can definitely recognize you as yeah. a absolutely incredible expert marrying yeah. Eastern and Western and psychotherapy because yeah. of how much I'm learning in such a short time, but understanding that loop of external experience, your thought to emotion and the way that I've understood that or used a reference before is like when I was younger, you know, somebody would say something to me and I would want to fight them because the emotional reaction is you suck. And even on YouTube, someone will be like, you're a moron or it happens every now and then. And I, I feel bad, you know what I mean? Like, oh, say that to my face, man. And I'll talk you one. But that's not, that's not the right, that's not the right response. But all they did is make a comment that was unkind. And then yeah. I have an emotional response. That's right. To external experience where that doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? But most people are locked into immediate response. Right. Right. Which is, doesn't give you a lot of options. That's right. It's kind of crappy. Yeah. So if you've got more options that create better emotional, higher quality emotional states, optimal living, I have a, probably a thousand questions for you now. Um, but, <laughs> um, one of the things that I wanted to move into and, and just, uh, I'll definitely have to get you back on if you'd like okay. to come back. Sure. But uh, what how do we move into like an optimal state? Because I see, I, I hear what you're saying and I'm with you, but we've got like the life problems, right? And yes. I like you using, yeah. you referred to it before as like, you can be the Zen monk on the mountain, but you got to be yeah. in the world. That's right. You've got a family and kids and bills to pay and stress and anxiety. Yeah. Like, okay, look, this is all great, bud, but I got a screaming kid. I got bills I right. got to pay out. What kind of your voodoo magic is going to help me okay. improve <laughs> the quality of my life and yeah. I kind of like to think of like living in our passion in our heart, you know, creating a meaningful impact, how, living inspired. Yeah. So how can, you know, what do you recommend for people just to yeah. like live a good life, to get into this experience, but also navigate all the crap that we're dealing with, stress, anxiety, making enough money, following our dreams and all that kind of thing. How does, how can this apply to that? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to add this, uh, this next piece, which is the important piece, which is the marrying of, Eastern uh, awakening with psychology um, and neuroscience, but particularly um, related to your question, um, how do, how does this how do we operate and live in a world if we're committed to live a full human life? So we don't want to transcend, and we're not going to, you know, join a monastery or live in a cave. So there's a you know tradition in um, that I kind of refer to a lot uh, in the East called Sutra Mahamudra tradition, 
and uh, it kind of blends the all three of the main uh, traditions of Buddhism from uh, uh, from the Sutra tradition, which is Theravada, to Mahayana, which is Zen, to Tibetan. So it was a Mahayana tradition in North India, and basically it was a period of time where thousands of people were awakening in the midst of everyday life. So they were living in cities and they were teaching each other how to awaken. So this is important to say that one of the, what I call myth, myth dakes, you know, myths that are, is a myth dake, uh, is that only the, it's only for a few elite to awaken. So my counter and what I've researched using, you know, uh, kind of observation is it's available to everyone and that the unfolding or the maturing, the waking up and then the growing up and healing up. So the growing up and healing up can take a little different amount of time for people, but the glimpsing of awake state can happen immediately. And then the integrating is kind of an unfolding. So, um, so one of the first realizations after I mentioned, you know, having this kind of, awakening around uh, <clears throat> eyes in the back of my head and sports and stuff was then I had uh, my uh, senior year in high school, my father developed brain cancer. So he had a, like a, a, like a lemon sized tumor in the left side of his brain. He was a engineer. So he's very kind of math oriented and very, that was his work. So he had this operation and I was coming back and forth from my, uh, freshman year at school and he would bring me his workbooks like he had gotten you know gotten up back up to first grade level and then he was working his way back up in about a year he was ready to return to uh, to work and then he had an aneurysm and then he uh, got sicker and then he passed away slowly during that summer before I returned to my sophomore year so he died uh, and um, I was at, back up at school in the fall and it was, you know, just, I didn't find anyone to talk to. None of my friends had really gone through loss of a parent. They hadn't died. And so in the counseling center, I walked into and it was a psychoanalytic guy who had me lay on a couch. And like after three sessions, I was like, he was just taking notes. So I was like, oh, never mind. Um, so I was walking out of the library one night, just feeling like kind of overwhelmed and, 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 and I heard this part of me say, you know, it was sounded like a voice, but I realized it's part of me. I don't know if I can take this much longer. And what I did somehow is the awareness that we've been talking about kind of turned to look like, where's that coming from? And what happened was the awareness went like through that into this night sky and just opened up what had felt like this, you know, overwhelmed mental, emotional, heavy system that kept getting more condensed, trying to figure it out, opened into the sky and then just opened up into this universal awareness that just kind of poured back what felt like freedom and love and relief and I was crying and feeling like, oh my God, this is here. This is like within me, this is, you know, available. Uh, and then from there, that became kind of the new 
source to be able to work with my grief and and things like that. So that that led me led me to be interested in uh, psychotherapy and uh, and awakening. Um, so I developed the system having gone and done this kind of advanced practice, which I was talking about of accessing this true nature or Buddha nature or self or unitive consciousness or self with a big S. Um, and I would work, and then I worked, I did a joint degree uh, with, uh, you know, spirituality and psychology, did a master in social work and then worked in New York City and outpatient clinics with psychiatric populations and started homeless shelters and worked with groups like that, but mainly the psychiatric population and developed this kind of way of working with people that now actually, recently I met another clinician's name is Richard Schwartz who developed internal family systems. So the primary healing dimension of this uh, work with people who have complex trauma. So he worked inpatient with anorexics and people who were suicidal and um, asked a question like, um, is there a part of you that wants to hurt yourself? And the person would say, yes. Is there a part of you that doesn't? Well, yeah. And then he would ask, well, who's aware of those two parts? And they would say, and, and the feeling is you go back and out well, me, I'm aware. Oh, well, how do you feel toward those two parts? Oh, well, I feel kind of compassionate toward those parts. This one's really suffering and this one really is trying hard. And so what we found is that in dealing with uh, uh, Iraq vets, PTSD, complex trauma, the most, the people who would be least supposedly available for advanced meditation and accessing your true nature actually need it the most and can just as easily access it. So in fact, it's important <laughs> that they do. And therefore all of us in the middle that are not advanced, you know, natural awake people or, you know, severely complex trauma and complex trauma means you had childhood like daily abuse, like severe abuse. So it feels like everyone in between can can access it too, uh, because it's necessary for their healing. And then the the next piece that that feels like from this uh, spacious, awake, open-heartedness or self, what you start to realize is it's not just thoughts, feelings, and sensations. It's not just stories or <clears throat> images or uh, arising feelings like, oh, I'm really angry at that guy. I want to punch them in the face, like you said. Uh, <laughs> you know, that guy on YouTube was being mean to someone else. You, you start to realize, oh, that's a part of me. Oh, there's a part of me that's a protecting others. Oh, there's a, a part of me. Then you're aware from the big, oh, there's that part of me. Where is it? Oh, it's right here in the chest. And then it's in the jaw clenching. And how do I feel toward that part? Oh, and what is, and then you start to realize, oh, well, what do you, you realize that all parts are looking for love, then even if they're rageful parts, mean parts, uh, terrorized parts, they're all looking and that the protectors, often the ones who are more aggressive or 
acting out are protecting younger hurt parts. So that part that's angry is like, well, I'm trying to protect other people. Well, what part are you trying to protect within you? Oh, well, I guess the part that's been here that feels like nobody sees me or, uh, you know, they're hurting me or I'm unlovable or something like that. So you say, well, how do you feel from this bigger consciousness rather than from a smart psychological part? So this is the thing is that 99% of psychology is done from a very smart attempt to try to be kind, to love yourself, but you're doing it from the small mental, emotional part of you that's a manager. So if you upgrade to what this first thing we've been talking about, which is the spacious, energetic, embodied, open-hearted self, now you start to find healing and love and ability to bear what seemed to be unbearable and to actually allow the most hurt, traumatized, and, you know, rageful parts to come up because there's so much more space and capacity. So they can come up and go like, yeah, I'm going to kill everyone. And you go like, wow, you're really upset. Okay, what else do you want to say? Well, I also want to say, you know, like, okay, I hear you. And you just can let them be here. And then the first action from this sense of self is, I don't even, I'm not going to even try to change you. I'm just here with you. And they're like, what? You don't, don't you not want me to be who I am? I say, well, you seem to have a reason. I'm, I'm just here with you. And I don't need to blend with you and act out. I can just let you have your feelings until you, you know, at your own pace. And then there's a whole new, um, you know, not only lens, but like a whole matrix of identity starts to be able to uh, be with um, a fully human uh, sensitive being um, in every aspect without, uh, without closing down, without either having you depressed or anxious, which are the two energy modes that most people are in. Amazing, man. Well, you just opened up a, a whole <laughs> new can of worms, which I think yeah. is important because so many people are really dealing with a, a lot of trauma. Anxiety, you know, anxiety and depression is like the new norm. Uh, that alone, like really serious stuff. And I, and I definitely hear what you're saying with viewing these experiences from beyond the state of mind. You know, one yeah. of the things that I've noticed is that the really intelligent, many very intelligent engineers and scientists who understand the, the world through logic yes. um, can be very stupid, you know, at the yeah. same time, because they can't get out of this model. And I was like, well, there's bigger pictures than this. Like you're really smart in one way intellectually, and that's awesome. And that's really useful. And that's amazing. However, yeah. that has limited you, you to this own one scope. And, right. but if you can combine both scopes, yes. now you are really kicking some major butt, but That's you have to be able to open up to that, that other scope because really we have the questions, these big questions, we have no idea. We only know a little bit of a yep. little bit and we have to have the humility and uh, the, the knowing that we only know a little bit, but if we yes. can participate yeah. fully from who we are with what we want to experience with logic, with passion, yep with humility and understanding yeah. of your picture, we're really operating at an optimal state, an optimal level of consciousness. And, and yeah. you know, ideally, 
we're at the, you know, so many people are getting out of the stage of just suffering, just anxiety, yes. depression, bills yeah. like that. And I think everything that you shared is applicable to any of those stages. And yes. like the everyday Joe, I definitely consider myself an everyday Joe. I have people like you on and I'm yeah. still just going out, getting mad at stupid things. And you know, I'm just like, I got a lot of work to do. Um, but I enjoy the conversation because it, it gives a little bit more freedom. And that's what I'm looking for a little bit yeah. more. Uh, freedom, a little bit more understanding of the human experience, a little bit more uh, just peace of mind, you know, yeah. through this chaos yeah. that seems to be the world. So um, we've been going for a little while. I could talk to you for probably 10 hours. Um, I'd love <laughs> to have you back on the show, but okay, I want to have great. time and I know you're a really busy man. So I appreciate yeah. you coming on and, and yeah. sharing. So what I want to ask you is, is there anything that you wish that I'd asked or you want to talk about? You can, you can, if you got time, you can go on for two hours. I don't mind. Yeah, uh, and okay. then I guess the last kind of question I would sum up if I'm going to throw one in there is um, just, you know, what do you think, you know, what does it mean for you to, to be a, like, what does awakened, like an awakened person mean to you? And like maybe yeah. your best tip on if, if all of this is over your head or it's not, what's yeah. the one thing that you can do to improve your life wherever you are in the, in the journey? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, I would say, you know, that, that kind of my, my great fortune has been to be kind of, you know, taken into this almost beyond what, you know, if I go back and meet my friends from high school or college, they're like, you're doing what? You know, like, <laughs> that's not who I was, you know. Back then, I was a goofy, you know, like, you know, but somehow something like I, 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 you know, opened a window and then that led to something else that, that led to a door that led to like a heart's desire to like, oh, I see, this is possible. I could live this way, but I could live this way. So what do I want to do? And then kind of a heart's desire said, well, what else am I going to do with my life if awakening is possible? If love and and peace and well-being is not just a state, but it literally is the, the foundation of who I am, which it felt like it was. So I just kind of followed the winding road and what I've come to see. And as you mentioned, you know, I'm, I'm kind of went, you know, studied Eastern thought, but I'm not like a true believer or a guru style teacher that I've, I've come back to very kind of Western democratic human being you know, oriented, like, let's all do this together. This is possible educational style, which is basically like, okay, let's figure it out and realize what you can't know and, and what is, is it that does it and not settle for little paradoxes of, oh, well, it can't be known, therefore you can't know it, or awakening only ha happens by grace or luck, so you can't do anything. It's like, okay, well... You know, or it needs supreme effort and you have to join a monastery. So there's something that, you know, just like we've learned so much here, I just am convinced we can learn how to awaken. Just like, I mean, if we've learned like how to use a microchip, I don't know what a microchip, I don't know how that works. But, <laughs> but, but I've, I, I, think, I think people can learn more easily, you know, how to awaken than they can. Uh, I think it's a natural, so awakening is a natural next stage of human development. I think it's learnable and teachable and available. It takes, like anything, uh, some interest, willingness, 
curiosity and then finding what matches the style of uh, learning of the meditation part and the psychology part uh, for waking up, growing up, showing up, healing up, connecting up. Um, so anything you can do in general for kindness and then whatever works for you for calming and soothing your mind and body as a preparation, whatever style of that preliminary, what I call preliminary practice, do those things. Those are great. Different people have different ways of doing that. Start to notice what it's like when you do the thing you do that takes you into uh, this kind of awake consciousness or flow, whether it's gardening or music or taking a walk in nature or doing a sport. Start to feel what is it that's where are you aware from? What's this like? Can I also notice this or find my way back elsewhere? And then, you know, like I have, you know, if you want to check my book out and my tapes, I have free YouTubes um, and audios on my website and stuff that, you know, really to find a way to intentionally access and shift from this small separate sense of self because that operating system isn't the only thing. It's, and we can shift out of it and then come back to the loving, to loving our full humanity um, and living from our heart so that we're showing up for social justice and for activities in the world that relate to how we share um, ourselves with others in a more easy, natural way. So, um, yeah, so it, it's a very positive, I have a very positive feeling. Um, this kind of effortless mindfulness approach is very new. So I hope people will try it and just see if it matches because it really is kind of revolutionary. It's kind of the next stage of mindfulness and can uh, fairly quickly give you access. So, um, so yeah, I hope to meet you all and, and uh, wish you all the best. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and your work and, and, you know, people don't know this, but you know, it's in your bio and, and some of the work you've done, but you've done a lot of really good work. You know, you've, you did uh, made a massive impact on the homeless community. Um, you're out there actually being the change and, and mm -hmm. learning and studying and you're a student, but I also see you as a master. And I can tell mm -hmm. that from speaking to so many different people on these subjects mm -hmm. and the amount of humility you have, but also the genuine care for others and the gen genuine seek, uh, search for understanding so i can see yeah. all that in you and i'm just yeah. so grateful to to see you laying such an amazing example and uh all the incredible work you're doing i definitely invite people and encourage them to check out your book i am excited to read it um so i'm definitely going to get a copy for myself and yeah. and check it out and, and and yeah definitely invite people to check out your work and go to go deeper because you definitely know what you're talking about and so just thanks so much for everything that you're doing Great. Thanks, Matt. It really was a pleasure. I really enjoy talking with you, being with you. We're, we're um, brothers from another mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Um, well, where can people find, I appreciate that too. Where can people find you? Where, if, where they, yeah. Where's the main place to go? So the main place is, um, you know, is my website, which will link you to other social media or, or YouTubes. Uh, so it's just um, lockkelly.org, L-O-C-H-K-E-L-L-Y dot org and then uh 
yeah, there's a information about my book and there's a book page with some free gifts if you, you know, to see some videos and audios. Um, so, and then there's events, which, you know, I travel a lot and teach. I'll be all over the country. I'm going to Italy to teach. I'll be in the West Coast, East Coast. So hope to see you uh, take a look at the website and you'll see what's what's up. Amazing. Awesome. Well, yeah, man, everybody check out his book. And, and if you go to Amazon, buy his book, leave a review because it helps yeah. a lot. So make sure. Uh, and I, I haven't read it yet, but I, like I, you, I got an advanced copy and went through the chapters and I, I, I didn't have time to read it word by word, but what I, everything I went through, there's, there's not fluff and you're like, you have the experience, you have the knowledge and you're marrying the two worlds. So, yeah. you know, one of the things that the Eastern uh, culture doesn't take into account is learning styles. Yeah. And all of this amazing stuff we've done with Western psychology, a lot of that is useful, mm -hmm. but it's limited, like you said. So you're really combining those two worlds, which is the next stage of being able yes. to do that and being able to articulate it, mixing it with neuroscience. It's absolutely phenomenal yeah. work. So yeah. uh, thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> Look forward all to right, guys. Sounds good. Okay. Thanks, everyone, for listening. See you in the next one. Right. Take Peace. care. Bye. All right, guys, that wraps up that amazing episode with Locke Kelly. I hope that you enjoyed it. It was really full of so many applicable gems and the way that he used analogy and story. He really has a deep understanding of this stuff. I highly recommend checking out his book and his work. If you enjoyed the episode and you want to support, please share on Facebook. Take a screenshot and share at uh, on Instagram. Tag me at Matt Belair. Let me know where you're listening. Leave a review on iTunes or support on Patreon if you wish. But the best way you can support this show is by doing one kind act in the real world today, wherever you are whoever you are that's the absolute best way i appreciate you guys listening i hope that you love this episode for those of you guys who are interested in coaching make an inquiry at matt at zenathlete.com as well as speaking and training for you your company or organizations or ceos or anything in between hit me up matt at zenathlete.com and i will happily help you out check out our sponsor procabulary.com org and use the checkout code word magic for a hundred dollars off and thank you so much for being you for being here for being human for having the human experience and listening to this show i have immense love gratitude and appreciation for you so let's close this up by coming into a state of peace and coherence so wherever you are in the world take in a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath and just let it out slowly, filling every cell and every muscle and every fiber of your being with joy, confidence, self-love, inner peace, connection, inspiration, enthusiasm, and ready to take on the rest of the day. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.